Hey everybody, welcome back to the Book More Show. It's Stuart Bell here and today I'm talking with Betsy Vaughan about the intentionality that you have when it comes to your book. Now, most people think of this in terms of the purpose or job of work of the book, but really intentionality applies to every step in the process through the more obvious things like the title and the call to action. But really in this episode, we're looking at things like the examples you use to amplify the message, the places that you guide people as you're given those examples to learn more or to follow up. Really this idea of thinking like a chess player knowing who it is that you're talking to, knowing what it is that you want them to do, and therefore what are the steps and the stages and the amplifying information that you can give them that really kind of orchestrates this path and leads people in the direction that you want them to go. So this idea of intentionality applies across the board. It really is the thing that gives your book the extra juice, the extra kind of um, direction you know what you want people to do, having all of the content, all of the structure around your book, backing that up and guiding people in that direction is really the thing that's going to make this the um, the most effective marketing tool that you have out there and the way of getting people to raise their hand and encourage and compel them to take the steps you want to take. So really enjoyed this episode. It was uh, good to dive into a subject a little bit deeper it amplifies a lot of what we talk about in the book blueprint so obviously if you haven't been across there then head over to bookblueprintschool.com to find your scorecard and see where you score across the eight mindsets that we have that talk about this in a little more detail so with that ali get to the episode and catch you on the other side betsy vaughan how you doing very good how are you fantastic good good thank you Although I'm on a slightly different setup because my computer annoyingly died. So I'm dialing in on the AirPods mm-hmm. today. So hoping that uh, the combination of different audio and my accent doesn't make it too difficult for people to listen to. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, oh, that's better. I only had one AirPod in. Now I can really hear. Um, <laughs> I was like, there's something missing here. Um, but it was me, not you. <laughs> um, yeah, it's... Um, different when when you're that when you're someplace else or doing something else with a different machine it just makes you feel all out of sorts you know it's surprising how many things kind of throw a a span in the works i guess that kind of corresponds to people starting getting their books created as well because it's uh doesn't take much to knock you off the uh right the ideal path of starting and then uh get a great segue (laughs) that was really good seamless Look at that. And what are we going to talk about time. today, Stuart? <laughs> well, I think that we should talk about this, uh, continue the idea of talking about the book and think about intentionality, which I think is the best, um, I was thinking about the subject beforehand, and I think the best way of describing it is intentionality of content. So not so much about what you want to achieve, but the words that you use, how they match up with that intentionality of purpose. So does that make sense? Makes or, sense. Does that sound good? Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Well, hopefully by the end of it, it'll make sense as well. <laughs> yeah. um, right. So this idea came up because I was talking with Christy. So people who worked with us, a lot of people know Christy because she deals with a lot of people as they first come in, works with people on the 30-minute outlining call and then to get the content recorded. Have they got Susan or Christy people have worked with in the past. So. Christy also has uh, another business there in an olive oil manufacturing company. It's kind of a small niche batch um, batch product type 
type service are not industrial scale by any stretch of the imagination, but they have quite a big business. Previously, it's all been driven by shows. So they'll travel in the summer around to different shows. Um, shows, is that a British term? Shows are no, they're, 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 like yeah, shows. They're like uh, weekend shows, convention shows, home shows. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That type of yeah. thing. Right. So they'll travel around to those in the summer, mainly outdoor ones. So that's why it's very summer based. Um, all around the country, they've got a big audience from a big group of customers from all of those because they hit the same circuit and they've been doing it for many years now. There's a certain amount of familiarity and people expect them to be there at certain times in certain places. With the whole shutdown, that's obviously impacted this year completely, and they mm. haven't done any shows since since I think February was the last one they did. Right. With none really on the on the agenda, or uh, everything upcoming for the rest of the year has been cancelled. So they're looking at content creation and pushing messages out through other channels. They've got an email list already, but it's not something that they were hugely focused on. So we talked a lot in the early part of the pandemic about stepping up that activity. Obviously with the events canceled, that makes it difficult building it in the traditional sense. So we talked a lot about referrals and having their, um, having their existing audience share their message a little bit more and backing all of that up or underlying all of that is pushing out more content and more intentional content whereas in the past mm. it was more kind of incidental or there wasn't quite such a structure around it so i was talking to christy earlier on today we do our own strategy calls on that type of thing we were talking earlier today about this idea of intentionality and it's the same really we were using the example of of books because christy's obviously got a lot of experience on that side of things with the work that she does for us so we were using that as the bridging framework for the examples that i was giving for them and their business so it really hit a uh, yeah, hit nerve in terms of her interactions with people who are early in the process just coming on board thinking about their book and where it sits within an overall funnel and what the purpose is, the job of work of it is. So the examples that we were given resonated there because a lot of other people have the similar challenge. It's almost like there's a, uh, in its worst example, there's a thought of, I need to write a book. This is some words. I should just use these words kind of with no thought of intentionality at all. Mm-hmm. So some great examples of that. So um, yeah, really good opportunity to dive into this a little bit more. One of the things I wanted to ask you then, because you're obviously dealing with a lot of people the Mm -hmm. stage before so before they actually come on board and start working with us a lot of people are talking about their ideas um before they actually get started so this thought of intentionality of the job of work of what they're trying to achieve does that come up in those conversations or do you often or do you ever speak with people where i just need to write a book i should write a book Mm -hmm. i've been told to write a book but i don't have any more thoughts further than that do you know had we do we speak to both. Like we, I speak to both, but the, lately I would say there's been more people, I think because they have this newfound time, um, you know, and things are a little bit different and maybe they don't have time, but they're just, it's popped up a lot in the last few months. And so people, I do hear that a lot. Oh, I really had this idea that I should write this book and everybody tells me I should write this book. And, right. um, but then they get to the end of that. Oh, my mom says, and my clients say, and this, this person says, and, but I'm not really sure what I would say. Right. And, you know, and, and it's just a reminder of what would you say if I was sitting in front of you? You know, that's yeah. like, those are the, Oh, that's what I should talk about. Yeah. 
that I mean, let's talk about, <laughs> yeah. we're talking about your business. Like what are the most important things to talk about if you were talking to a potential client or a potential client, you know, colleague or what, it, what are those things? And so, um, we do hear it a lot. We hear a lot of like, I'm, I just know I'm supposed to write a book. And then when you remind them of all the, all the things they can do in that book and the information they can get out to people, you know, very quickly, um, rather quickly, you know, in, in, in a, in a short amount of time. Relatively speaking. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, get it out there and, and what it does on the flip side with the additional credibility and, and, you know, just people, they say, you know, will I be an expert? Well, you may not be an expert. You may be doing this for three months, but you put a book out and somebody's going to think you're an expert. And so you might as well, you know, like, oh my gosh, yeah. you know. And you're an book. expert so, more than the person reading it who's just yeah. set on their journey and is an outsider to the business and, and is unsure of what steps they should be taking or the questions exactly. they should be asking. Right, yeah. right. So, so yeah. this idea of intentionality then comes up across everything that we talk about so there's the picking the single target market having a clear outline that leads people from the beginning to the end the clear call to actions the next steps this thought of i have a cover on the book with a title so what's the intention behind it i have the table of contents that can lead someone to the the call to action on the back so what's the intentionality of that the the chapters themselves there are words on the page I could put any words on there. So what's the intentionality of that? What's the job of work that each of these pieces should do? So like the the single target market is one that we talk about very often because it's it dials the subject in and keeps that intentionality very focused. But even down to things like the table of contents, it's such an afterthought. It's such a functional part of the process for most people that don't even think about it. The table of contents is just comes about from the the chapters the content that's there they don't think about the intentionality of the table of contents as a standalone mm-hmm. tool as a standalone part of the process it's just a byproduct of other stuff but when you start thinking about the intentionality of the table of contents as being someone's going to get a copy of the book either physically or digitally the table of contents is one of the most read pages because people flick in and mm-hmm. stop in that page if it's a a uh, physical book or it's within a couple of clicks if it's a digital book so very much people are used to reading and looking at the table of contents as a roadmap to know and understand or help reinforce that they're in the right place so thinking about it with that intentionality of its job of work isn't just to be a byproduct of the content its job of work is to be a signpost to remind people that they are in the right place and the exact words that should appear there should have that intention behind them then it just changes the setup a little bit changes the way that people go into it so the point on intentionality that we were talking about with or that i was talking about with christy was more around the words that were specifically on the page so a lot of the other elements we've talked about in the past i don't know that we've talked about this one so much so obviously she's very familiar with scorecard that's what she helps people with all of the time getting that intentionality around but the words that are on the page we were talking about examples of um, external references linking off to other content now this is for her in the context context that we were talking it was much more around a, a short pdf report not book format or book length but a shorter guide as an opt-in cookie or something at the top of the funnel that that she could create for people so the 
we do have a number of occasions where people will refer to external stuff in a book but interestingly it doesn't happen that often um Mm -hmm. not that it shouldn't happen it just coincidentally doesn't but where it does and for some people it probably should a little bit more or there's the opportunity for it to happen a little bit more then this intentionality is important because it keeps everything kind of focused in so we were talking about the difference between writing something that referred to a youtube a video on youtube that was talking about a particular medical condition and this video was the um the beginning of a conversation that she had with someone else that led to revelation and was being emphasized in the in the report that they were writing so one option is to refer to this video in the content and tell people to go there to learn more so it might be a quick and easy way you might be thinking as you're writing this particular chapter that refers to something external you might not want it to go into too much detail because you don't want to have to uh, give a synopsis or an overview of what that content is you just want to refer to it and then move on so in one scenario you might say to people okay we're talking about this particular subject investigations into this were kicked off from this particular video go over learn more about that and then continue with what you're talking about but the problem of linking people off to another source and telling them to go there to find out more is you're almost giving people permission to get sidetracked to get distracted mm-hmm. and people don't need any, of, people uh, don't need <laughs> they don't need right. that I mean, people so many of us get sidetracked yeah. so quickly anyway yeah yeah you're right it does it gets that whole it's it, almost it, like it, a, and, and that video ends up you know next thing you know you're watching old you know seinfeld episodes you know an hour and a half later you know so you have to be very right. careful <laughs> it's a rabbit hole yeah and that's the problem, isn't it? Because people's attention, we're trying to keep people's focused attention on a particular on a particular direction, on a particular set of steps that they can take that leads them towards the outcome that we want. So this idea of the book being on a train track or, or guide or report or whatever, or even email, whatever you're writing, this idea of keeping people on a train track that has one destination that we want them to do what we don't want to do is giving them permission to go off on a siding or off in a different direction and never necessarily come so we started off the conversation or she started off the conversation by asking should they that external reference even be included or is it better just not to mention it at all because of this risk of sidetracking so the this is where we get into intentionality a little bit more so our intention is to keep people on this trail trail track on this train track keep people going in the one direction we don't want to give them excuses to go off to the side but there is a way to refer to stuff that adds value and adds amplification opportunities and adds some external validation or credibility without giving them permission to be derailed and and go off and end up watching Seinfeld. Um, So the way to do that, a better way to do that is to describe the video in the text you're writing in the article, give a summary, a synopsis of the main points, which may just be one or two sentences that reinforce your take on it or your the reason that it was relevant to what you're writing overall and then just link to it without specifically giving the instructions for people to go and learn more in this place so you kind of softly or subtly given the cue that there is additional resources there is more external credibility being 
brought to this document, you are citing other sources, which assumedly for the reader are sources that are relevant and themselves are credible. But just by linking to it, achieves all of that and ticks that box without explicitly telling people to go to this other place. So the subtlety of that is something that I think is lost on it's easy to skip over how much of a difference that is. It's easy to think, okay, I should, just shouldn't link to something else. Or by linking somewhere else and telling people to go here to learn more, that's fine. Which, at the end of the day, it's not terrible to do to do that. But if we think about the intentionality of what we want, we want people to continue down this journey. Right. What we want to minimise is the sidetrack things. Another option is where you have the third-party reference is to have your own version of that or your own take on that somewhere else so that if you do feel the need to sidetrack people and give people another destination to go to, you're pushing people towards a destination that you control. So although it might be kind of a sidetrack or or leakage, for want of a nicer term, to another destination, it is to a destination that you control. And then in that place, you can link then to the original source or very comprehensively cite the original source and and expand on this some more might even pull in three or four different sources that kind of amplify that point a little bit more but because it's something that you own yourself at least you know where that traffic's going to right the downside of that is if you're still go ahead i'll I'll come i have an almond well i was just going to say like if you think about i'm thinking like in a book setting you know if you make reference um to some outsource outside source be it a youtube video or someone else's video whatever um you know mention it and maybe if it can you mention it a couple of times maybe and then just use a reference page at the back of the book you know and say oh this study from you know to to do that so people get to the point they go oh yeah i remember that that study they were talking about or that video they were talking about now that would be the ideal time to go you know yeah um, there's two i think there's two ways of doing it so one is to have that inline link and again to a certain degree mm-hmm. come back to intentionality and how this tool works in the bigger picture if you know that 100 of your books are going to be published and uh, so going to be printed then having inline links to something doesn't make sense because there's no blue underlining it's not actually a link you need to explicitly reference it so understanding how it's being used does make a difference one way of doing it then is having an appendix and a reference section as you suggest with all of these additional resources now the downside to that is in in our use of the books, as we're talking about it with the majority of people listening now, it's as a lead generation tool. We want them to take an action. Mm-hmm. We don't necessarily, we're not looking at creating a citable reference source in its own right. It's not a book in a traditional sense that it's published and validated and the book is the product. So you want to sell as many books as possible, in which case it might make sense to pack as many additional references in the book because it, the book itself then becomes a reference tool for people. We're not interested. The book itself isn't the product. The call to action is the product. So by having a reference section in there, the risk is that it derails from this train track idea of we want people going in one direction and taking the the step that they take if they've got one unit of energy to take a step that step that we want them to take is our call to action step it's not Mm -hmm. going and looking at additional resources 
Now, again, that's not to say that we don't want to do it, because by this point, we've captured their details anyway. We know who they are. We can follow up with them. So if it's very valuable and useful, depending on the nature of your book, to have that reference section brought together in one place or an additional reading section or all of these things that add value, but also add distraction, it's a bit of a balance between what we want them to do now you can imagine a situation where someone wrote a book that does have a lot of references and, and additional resources in there and one of the reasons for that is that their follow-up sequence someone opts in and gets a copy of the book on day one then day two through ten you follow up with them with an email with a ps with a call to action with a super signature with more steps that people can take whenever they're ready but the content of that email is referencing some of the reference materials it's amplifying some of the additional resources because we know that we want to put it in that follow-up sequence so let's say for example trying to think of the practical examples of, to back it up with let's say you had a book that had that was talking about a industry best practice on why that's going to mind apart from the fact that i'm looking at my dead computer so right. <laughs> every technology is on my mind but let's say right. an industry uh, a book that was talking about data center migrations we've done a couple of those in the past coincidentally enough mm-hmm. um data center migrations now that as a as a book is um the subject and the content and the call to action is going to help people who are first thinking about it take some assessment steps and here are some things to consider here's some best practices that you need to be aware of and the call to action the next step is to uh, do a scorecard or do an assessment or um, follow up on a white paper or a checklist of things you need to be aware of if in that book you also referenced five white papers industry leading white papers done by Gartner and and whoever else might be out there um, talking about from an industry specialization. Here are the different case studies about companies saving money, technologies that are upcoming, um, risks and mitigations that people have put in place before, things to be aware of. Referring to those in the book because they're industry standard pieces of uh, they're the foundations on which the industry is built, makes sense because it adds that external credibility to your book. Linking to them in a way that allows people to go out and find out more, yes, there's a downside to it because it adds some leakage away from what you're doing, the step that you want them to take, but it's also so foundational and so valuable that the credibility and the usefulness outweighs the leakage downside knowing that there is additional leakage in the book the follow-up sequence that you've got you might add in of the five five emails that you've got in the follow-up sequence three of them might be referring to some of these external resources external um, foundational papers because then the message that you're given the ps that you've got the step that you want them to take next it's kind of amplified by the point that you're making and the point that you're making is just making a point about a third-party resource that you have referred to in the book so you know the person knows what you're talking about you're not citing something that they've got no concept of because it's in the book it's amplifying which is the point we made a couple of weeks ago on the show it's the follow-up material is only amplifying it's not introducing new material and then the call to action that you've got in the email follow-up is still relevant to that train track idea of where you wanted to mm-hmm. lead people in the first place. So there is a there is a way in which it makes sense. And it comes back to there's never a black or white answer. It right. always depends on how you're going to use it. 
the worst implementation of that would be that you've got a book that talks about some things. Um, it might be a a um, relationship-based book where there's some um, lots of different psychologies or lots of people have written things in the past that talks about this particular relationship element. So you're linking off to a whole load of external books like something by Tony Robbins or Deepak Chopra mm -hmm. or um, anyone else who's kind of an industry leader in there and you linking off to their stuff without referring to it or following it up really just adds in other leakage opportunities without there being the upside of referring back to it so there is a there is a way in which it works the other way or there, there's a better way in which it works rather the other reference way that adds some credibility and value right there and then in the document which isn't put which is putting inline references so not the appointing people in a reference section so as they're thumbing through the book and they get towards the end they're kind of you can see them coming over the horizon they're approaching your call to action they're getting closer and then they get to your reference chapter and they're sidetracked and they disappear <laughs> kind of see them getting towards <laughs> right. the you can imagine with the binoculars watching them getting closer and then the thing that the signpost that you've given them one step before your call to action points them in all those 50 different directions right so and another way where it does work is to have inline references like you would see in a um, in an academic paper or something that was more reference material like you'd have a footer in the chapter that linked off to the other source. So, again, let's stick with the data center example. You might be talking to some statistics that's in this one foundational report that's on um, on page seven of this report that's on the Gartner website, referring to it in the context of the book and then having a footnote below that links off to that deep link specifically to that, that resource. Again, you're not going to tell them to go to this resource to learn more. You don't want to tell them to go to this other place, but you're including it on the text of the page as a as a link in a format that people see as very credible and familiar because they're used to seeing that the way that it looks on the page they're used to seeing that in other material so they're used to seeing it in reference books or academic papers or um, in more traditionally published books now the benefit that that has is it's a kind of a psychological cue that this is cited material and because people's eyes are used to seeing this format in traditionally published books that have lots of external editors that fact check and what appears in a page in this format is all externally validated and credible in every other example that they see it so by default they're going to perceive the way that you've done it in the same way as externally externally validated and credible and to a certain degree they're not even going to need to click on the link to find out more because the text that you've got on the page describes the situation that you're talking about anyway you're talking about the statistics that are on this external foundational report report i don't know why i pronounce that so strange report <laughs> report <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so you're referring to these foundational steps the statistics that are on this page you go on to talk about it and why it's relevant to what you're writing about someone sees the reference in a format and a footnote in a format that is familiar to them so their brain ticks the box that says okay this is obviously credible citing because what i'm seeing is a format that i'm very used to so that psychological momentum going in the same direction they're ticking the box on this kind of 
railway line towards your destination, they're ticking the box with credibility all the way along because they're seeing citations that mentally they're assuming are credible. They're not feeling the need to go and and follow those up. I mean, particularly in a print sense, because who right. wants to go and type out a long URL? Yeah. But you're getting the benefit of all of the references and citations and referring to other things without sidetracking people. And it's really the sidetracking thing that is is the main point. Right. What we don't want to do is exactly that example I just joked about. You don't want to be watching people with these special binoculars reading through the book and getting closer and closer and closer. But then in every chapter or at the end of the book, they've just got a signpost where you're explicitly telling them to go somewhere else to learn more. If they want to choose to go somewhere else to learn more and you're they they're grateful to you because you're giving them amplifying opportunities you're giving them the references to the places that they can go if they want to that's different from telling them to go those other places so you are still getting the benefit of those um those external resources but you're not specifically telling them to go elsewhere and again as we said before it gives you the opportunity you can also amplify some of these things in emails in the follow-up sequence so it opens up a whole world of amplification because you are referring to these other bigger sources but it's not that you're explicitly telling them to do that you're just referring to it as an opportunity so i th- i'm tr- i was trying to think of examples in some of the books that that we've done and i think you know most of the of any kind of you know, link or reference that people do with us because, you know, they are so dialed into the purpose of the book is they they will send that someone somewhere, but it is content that they own, content that they, you know, that they've created. Yeah. And and so, again, it's not necessarily losing, you know, that that person. Um, and I think the same thing, like if you can, if you have, like you said, have your own content or if you can take some of the content that, of the study and, and, and rework it so that if it's in a newsletter, email, whatever, you know, um, when you cite it, that they can go to, to your content, stay, stay there. So you don't lose them. I think that is ideal, but I think most of our clients do that. You know, I, I'm, there are references to studies and statistics and things like that, you know, just things I'm thinking of. And, but I think yeah. people have, have caught on like, you know, like I don't want to, send them away and you i think know. as you say we've got a very we're seeing a curated group of people it's kind of self-selecting in the sense that the ones that we're working with are already in our process and right. listen to and, and resonate with the way that we're talking about things and even with christy doing the 30 minute call to begin with we'll have dialed in a lot of that conversation so this is probably more relevant to either the bigger picture of people thinking about other content that isn't specifically their book or people who are listening to this but aren't working directly with us so don't have the benefit of us trying to guide this as it goes forward i think even with people pointing to their own resources so it's i agree it's definitely the case that the majority of people are, are referring to um their own stuff it's still the point there to remember is more this idea of telling people to go to a destination that isn't on this track that you're trying to get people to follow down. So not so much that where they end up, it's just the fact that you've given them permission to go somewhere else. Right. And it's almost talking about permission. I mean, that almost is the is the problem. If you're telling people to go somewhere else, even if it's somewhere that you own so that they go, they're still remaining in your world, 
they're off the track. You want to keep them on that track as much as possible until they execute on the thing that you want them to do. So by giving someone, if you put a reference in a book, but don't tell someone explicitly go here to find out more, then someone might go there, but to a certain degree, they're going to feel guilty about going there and psychologically be coming back as quick as possible because the, the thing that they've started doing, their brain the reader's brain said to them, okay, I want the outcome that this book promises. So I'm going to get this book in order to get the outcome. So because I've made this decision, I should continue with this until I get the outcome. And a sidetrack going off to find more additional information is not achieving that goal. It is a sidetrack. It's a it's a distraction around the edge. It's mm. not finishing the thing that they started so there's a certain amount of okay i'm going to click on here but i know i need to get back i know i need to get back (laughs) whereas if they're reading through it and you tell them okay now go over here to look at this youtube video even if it's your own youtube video it's almost like okay i'm going down this track i want this outcome but someone's told me to go this other direction oh thank god for that someone's given me permission to go in youtube and now i can go and look somewhere else and oh well if i happen to now end up on seinfeld episodes or cat videos well i mean that's not my fault someone else told me to come down this so there is this element of uh of the permission structure to allow people to go off the track that they opted to join in the first place but you want them to finish it's uh yeah it's that uh slight underlying psychological cues or exactly or, uh, exactly excuses it's amazing. that people are yeah. willing to give themselves that's so true i'm i'm that one that, um oh, we're cutting I, we're cutting out so i don't think we can hear each other sometimes um so i think i'm one of those people who who you know because i will get easily distracted um i know that about myself um and so i try to make notes throughout my books you know I used to just you know fold over a page and then I have to remember why I folded over the page or that kind of thing and now (laughs) now I'll put little tabs so that they're you know right at the place that if there's something I need to go back and look to you know look at or yeah want to investigate a little bit further you know but um I I think you know getting to the end of the book and ultimately especially with our books letting that the reader get to the end of the book and then, you know, directing them to what your call to action really is. The ultimate purpose is, you know, um, is, is far more beneficial than sending people off on these yeah. other, you know, side. And it's difficult as the, as the business owners think about writing this. I mean, in theory, you're doing this because you know there's marketing benefit, but you're not a marketing professional. You're a professional in whatever your business is. So knowing that you want to do this and having an interest in marketing and and wanting the outcome, it is difficult to think about intentionality at every stage of the process. So think yeah. about intentionality of title, intentionality of the single target market, of the table of contents, of the chapter content itself of providing value of having a call to action of the call to action the beyond the book stages that you're trying to do i mean that's the difficulty of trying to do this yourself it can be there is a risk of wasting some effort with the book blueprint scorecards talks about the intentionality of a lot of these steps so if that's something Mm -hmm. that you haven't done yet then definitely head over to bookblueprintscore.com to score yourself but you can imagine that someone with the best intention of knowing that they want to book, need to write a book for the business, that it's a beneficial thing to do, of having the ballpark of all of these other things kind of dialed in, 
but scoring only kind of middle of the road score on a scorecard, but still putting in a hundred percent of your effort. Where by dialing in each of these elements a little bit more, you could score very highly and make each stage of it far more intentional and far more beneficial than for the same amount of of effort going in or virtually the same amount of effort going in, just get an exponentially better output mm. but it's i mean that's really the benefit of working yeah. with us i mean not wanting to turn right. this into the ad section of the podcast yeah. but that really is the benefit of working with us because all of that heavy lifting around the intentionality of things that's what we bring to it so Absolutely. it's um it's far less likely that it's going to be skipped over or not thought about so if um as you listen to this, if this is something that's resonating, if you're really looking to amplify that book blueprint score and make it the most effective tool possible, then definitely head over to 90minutebooks.com and check out more of what we do and either uh, jump on a, a call with us just to talk about it or or follow the Get Started links to get started. But if you're adamantly in a, uh, in a DIY state of mind and want to do this yourself, then a minimum head over to bookblueprintscore.com to uh, fill out the scorecard for your own idea and really get each of these, the intentionality of each of these parts of the process dialed in. So you're going to be expending some effort on this anyway. It might as well be the most beneficial effort that, uh, or the most effective effort uh, that you can put into it. Absolutely. So yeah. with that, looks like the technology held. We can, uh, <laughs> hopefully we're still recording. Um, oh yeah anything that yeah hopefully (laughs) uh anything that um anything on that that we've missed or skipped over or yeah i think you know yeah i think i think um it's great valuable information something to think about like you said um that's sort of what we do you know that's what we do we think about those things you know we do all the heavy lifting for you and um so something that you don't have to think about you know um so it's great great information putting out there i think you know i think um even if i wasn't doing a we weren't doing a book with us you know they're doing a book on their own like you said or if they're just doing weekly emails or monthly emails or whatever you know i think valuable valuable content right there yeah idea i mean again i don't know anyone anyone that's done this particularly but the the scorecard filling out the scorecard but just changing Mm -hmm. the subject i mean we've built it around creating a book but to a certain degree, it works for other content as well. Um, maybe not quite such an exact match, but you can, just as I say, you can use the same framework for emails or newsletters or um, or whatever, com- com, um, whichever communications you're putting out there. This intentionality idea across the various different stages, just as good a fit for that. Okay. Very good. Alrighty. Well, thank you for your time as always, Betsy. And Always thank you as you're listening. I think the two takeaway two takeaways are either head over to bookblueprintscore.com to um in viewing this kind of DIY mindset of going through yourself to really think about the intentionality or reach out to us at support at 90 minute books or hello at 90 minute books either of those will will get through to us hello at 90 minute books is probably slightly better if you're if you're not actually a customer but yeah reach out to us with any questions around this more than happy to jump on a quick call to talk through it and uh otherwise follow the get started links and we can help you get yours your book really dialed in and as intentional as possible so that sounds good we'll wrap there again thanks betsy thank you for listening and we will catch you in the next one